Blog Talk Radio. Hi, good evening. It's Adriel Hampton with Government 2.0 Radio on Block Talk Radio. It is uh, 6 o'clock on November 22nd over here in D.C., broadcasting and uh, podcasting live today from Dulles International Airport. Uh, and uh, we're going to be joined by David Hale uh, from the NIH to talk about his Project Pillbox. Uh, David Hale is going to speak on Help 2.0 and coopetition and how that's uh, making uh, government data uh, better for uh, the public and for businesses. Uh, I'm in just a little bit of technical trouble getting David on, uh, but I expect him to join uh, very shortly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, quite nice to be in uh, Washington, D.C. this weekend uh, talking about uh, Government 2.0 and meeting up with various folks, uh, including uh, David Hale, who's on Twitter as Lost on Route 66. And uh, David has just joined us. David, welcome. Hi, Adriel. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. I apologize about the uh, the delay. It's uh, a little bit harder to get Wi-Fi over here than I first thought, but uh, we're good to go for the next half an hour. And uh, why don't you? Uh, Tell uh, the, the listeners a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do, and we'll get on some questions about your current project. Sure. Uh, well, first, I am part of the National Library of Medicine, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. I'm a project manager and a social media strategist. And, of course, the obligatory gov disclaimer, uh, my statements do not necessarily reflect those of my organization or department. I'll have to get that out of the way. Great. And, uh, <laughs> and I do a variety of uh, work at the NLM involving uh, biomedical, pharmaceutical, informatics, and social media. Great. And tell us about the, the project you're currently working on that, that's in beta. I know I, I, I know there's a live link up, and some information is already out there, and that was a very great uh, conversation we had yesterday about this, this project called Pillbox. Great. Yeah. Well, Pillbox is really a completely different way of looking at drug identification. It's a joint project between the National Library of Medicine and the Food and Drug Administration. And what we're trying to do is really rework the entire drug information workflow, all the way from pharmaceutical manufacturers through the government and then back to citizens and consumers. And we're not just focusing on the data about the drugs, we're focusing on high resolution images of the drugs and incorporating that uh, into the identification system. So if you go to our beta website, which is pillbox.nlm.nih.gov, you'll see the identification system we've put together, and that's really just the, the tip of the iceberg. That system allows you to identify unknown medications uh, very quickly and then it immediately connects you to information about the drug you've identified. So the type, name of the drug, generic, branded, what's the DEA drug class. Um, if you want to search for information at Medline Plus or PubMed at the National Library of Medicine, we connect you there. We also connect back out to uh, hazardous substances resources, back over to the FDA. So it's, um, it's like a wagon wheel where identification of the drug is the first component, and then we launch you in whichever direction you're looking for drug information. 
And, and how do folks use that? Uh, is it for doctors? Is it for patients? I mean, you, normally when you, you buy a, uh, you know, you get something from your pharmacist, you, you get a, a pill bottle that has hopefully the correct information on it. What is the, the on-the-ground application uh, for that in the hands of the public? Uh, that's a great question. And actually, it gets back to the genesis of the project. And uh, it's a lot like uh, the movie A Perfect Storm, except there are no 60-foot waves in this one. Uh, several years ago, the uh, D.C. National Capital Poison Control Centers approached the National Library of Medicine looking for help to supplement their drug identification. Battery. Battery. And then after that, the Food and Drug Administration then approached the National Library of Medicine also looking for a system to really be able to visually explore uh, drugs that are currently on the market. The FDA has very specific regulations that say no two drugs, no two pills or tablets can have the same appearance, but there isn't a system where you can easily visually explore these. Uh, then oh, wow. Other, right, and then through other connections with ER docs, disaster response teams such as those that went to uh, New Orleans, um, and then private practice docs, we realized everybody had a different problem, but their solution was the same. They needed access to drug information in a way that's intuitive, but they also needed high-resolution images to be a focus of the identification process. We put everything together, and when you chart it out on a Venn diagram, there was this one point of overlap that said the drug information that's currently available, just it's transparent and open, but it's not useful to help someone actually identify an unknown medication. Great. And, and so where were the... Uh folks uh, getting this data from before? Is it, is it lots of different, uh, I think you mentioned that every drug company kind of has the specs for their drug and so you have to collect all that information? Right. There's two different ways that drug information is available. First, uh, whenever a drug manufacturer applies uh, for approval for a drug or submits the information to the FDA for the label for that drug, that information goes to the Food and Drug Administration and it includes the color, shape, size, what text is written on the pill, and other information. And then that comes out through the FDA in a system uh, called the Structured Product Label, which is all of the drug labels. And um, anyone can access that. Uh, actually, the National Library of Medicine is the host for that um, at a resource called Daily Med. However, the XML file that all of this information is contained in is so incredibly complex, we actually have a team of nine persons working with that data. We have pharmacists, we have computer scientists, we have physicians. It's taking nine of us just to go through that incredibly complex XML file and actually pull out just the unique identifying information for each drug. And we realized if it takes us that much effort, how is anyone developing, say, an iPhone medication app ever going to have the resources to do that? And then again, they shouldn't have to do that. The government should be providing that data not just in a transparent and open form, but in a form that is completely usable to create you know, works of derivative value. And it really goes back to um, you know, what the U.S. Uh, C, uh, CIO was saying at, uh, I think it was Wired's uh, Disruptive by Design conference uh, several months ago. And um, Vivek Kundra was saying, 
you know, it's not just that the, the default setting of the U.S. government should be that information is open, but we need to be supporting the market and we need to be really creating information systems that allow startups to leverage this data and provide the government with new solutions. And as it exists right now, the data is transparent and open, but it's just not usable. So some of the, the, the times on the show we talk about government data, you know, it's almost going to be like the uh, scene at the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're in the, uh, the archives there and there's this warehouse of, uh, you know, where you could lose the Ark of the Covenant, right? So you've got all this great important data, but it, it's almost that inaccessible, it sounds like, to uh, – uh, to maybe somebody who, who uh, messes up their medicine cabinet or to a doctor who's trying to make sure that uh, um, that a patient uh, who's overdosed, uh, what they actually took, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's, it's a great analogy. Matter of fact, um, uh, at the National Library of Medicine, I don't know whose car it is, but someone has a bumper sticker that says, the truth is out there, it's just not indexed well. <laughs> So this information is there, but you can't get to it. And if you look on the Internet, you'll find resources for pill identification. The information is of varying quality, and the images that go with it are of varying quality. Um, in clinical settings, you know, there are certain resources that are considered sort of de facto standards for drug identification. Um, however, those are resources that aren't really available to the general public or even sometimes available to clinics with limited budget. So what we want to do is level the playing field, not by participating in any of these processes, but by creating an authoritative data set that is in the public domain. And to that end, all of the data in Pillbox, this, uh, the lookup table I was talking about where we take the really complex FDA data and we rework it until it is so simple. It is in just a basic, you know, one record at a time database where anyone can get to this data. Our, all of our data and all of our images will be placed in the public domain. Our software will be placed in the public domain, and eventually, once we have all the documentation done, our search engine will be in the public domain, and we also have plans within the next month to expose the entire system through an API so that anyone can write an application for identification of unknown medications and come right to the National Library of Medicine. Hit our API, and we'll help you identify, we'll give you the information you need, and in that way, we'll become truly transparent. You'll be using someone's iPhone app or a website to identify a drug, and maybe there'll just be a little National Library of Medicine logo at the bottom. So it's not about driving traffic just to our Pillbox website. It's really about enabling innovation in the HIT community. And from what I've seen at conferences where we've exposed just a little bit of the data, we've done some demos, you know, what these HIT developers are doing is amazing. They are creating, you know, mock-ups and prototypes of applications we would never have been able to create on our own. And I think that's what the U.S. CIO, you know, Vivek Kundra, was really driving at when he said it's not enough for data to be available. You really need to push and enable innovation in the market. Now, how many, how many pills are you talking about? How many different kinds? I, I actually never uh, had heard that before, that they each have to be uh, unique in appearance, but of course it makes sense. And I, I see on here there's a couple of white pills that look the same, but the imprint is different. Um, are, are you talking thousands of pills or tens of thousands? Well, if you, um, if you go right now, if you go to the website, again, pillbox.nlm.nih.gov, 
you know, we have two versions of our identification app. Uh, one's built um, in Adobe Flash and Flex, so it's, it's very intuitive. It's more conversational. You click on color, you see color swatches. As you click on a color, all of your results change. There's no go or search button, so it's, it's very conversational. Then we also have a, a traditional HTML version that we're working to get looking prettier on mobile devices. Um, it's also 508 compliant. I use it with uh, Lynx, the old text browser, and it works. Um, and if you go in there and you do an empty search, you'll find right now we have somewhere maybe a little less than 6,000 pills. Or 6, wow. That's just U.S. market prescription pharmaceuticals. Our next step is getting all of the OTCs in there. And then after that, we're looking at supplements, and then we're talking with folks um, in Europe and other places about really creating an, uh, an interoperable framework so that we can start sharing information internationally because you know, the drug market is an international market and issues with counterfeiting are international issues. So we're really trying to be standards based in what we're doing so that we can scale this not just within the U.S. but to Canada, you know, South America, and then to Europe and Asia as well. So I, I see some of the, the end goals of this. This is you, you've got uh, hopefully better patient health, uh, less uh, perhaps prescription uh, mistakes. Talk about the, the, how uh, industry folks are reacting to this. First, you've got the drug companies that are involved because uh, this is starts out as their data, and then you have folks who are maybe already uh, selling this information to. Uh, to users, to clients, doctors, or patients, or hospitals. Right. You know, we've, um, from the beginning, we've been talking with pharmaceutical manufacturers. Of course, we're working with the Food and Drug Administration. We've talked with uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration. But we're also talking with groups like uh, the HL7 Working Group on uh, Structured Product Labels, which is an international working group. Um, we're working with trade groups as well, uh, organizations like U.S. Pharmacopeia, um, and then also at the same time, we've been spending a lot of time talking with individual pharmacists or emergency medical responders or uh, disaster response teams, um, and also just talking with uh, concerned citizens and consumers. So we're really trying to not necessarily create one application or one piece of software that answers everybody's needs. We want to create one information workflow that enables the creation of solutions for everyone. And that's where we get back to reworking this complex data so it's very simple and anyone can access it, and then adding in these high-resolution images, which we're actually developing the standards for. We're creating a workflow. We'll be publishing a methodology, again, you know, putting this in the public domain that says, this is the way to create the highest-resolution image of a pill or a capsule. And that effort crosses government, academia, and the pharmaceutical industry. So we really have input from everyone involved in this process. Talk about what, what kind of resources when you, uh, um, you know, I think people look at the government and they sometimes see it as a, you know, this, this big entity that, you know, they, they don't know who, who is actually in there. What kind of folks you bring from government to a project like setting standards for photographing pills? Sure. Uh, for this process, like I said, we've got a team of nine that's working with the data, and that includes computer scientists, pharmacists, 
um, regulatory officials, of course, project, uh, project managers. We've got user interface design. We have user experience. We have information architecture. Um, and of course, we have a ton of programmers. Uh, maybe not a ton. Maybe it's a handful, but their work output makes them seem like a ton. And then at the same time, we have these um, really open discussion forums, such as uh, for the imaging. We convened an imaging panel that had um, experts from the FDA's uh, Forensic Chemistry Center, which it's essentially their um, CSI division. And we've had folks from Rochester Institute of Technology as well. So we're really you know, trying to pull as many groups together um, to create this resource, but then sort of the um, I guess it would be, you know, depending on what sport you play, you know, the, the 11th player, the 13th player, you know, however you're the 6th player, um, really the, uh, the community um, and the unconference community have been great partners in this. Um, you know, I've presented Pillbox at um, very large conferences and very small conferences, but what we've really started to focus on is this growing sort of unconference movement, these uh, self-organized meetings, especially those that are focused on uh, what's called Health 2.0 or participatory healthcare. And at these meetings, you know, I demo Pillbox, and then next thing I know, you know, there are Drupal developers, there are private practice physicians, um, you know, there are designers, there are patient advocates, you know, coming up to me saying, hey. Have you really taken a look at this? Are you looking at how this, you know, this, this information is flowing? It, it's not really intuitive in the way that it should be for this particular group. And so all of these individuals become stakeholders. They become part of our development team. And um, this concept of uh, cooperation, as I put in the, uh, in the teaser for this show, <laughs> you, you take the data. You uh, create the standards, you're the repository for the data, and, and even the, the search engine technology. And then basically anyone who's got some development shops could try to make something out of that. Is that, and then it's a race or a competition between folks to see who can make the most useful uh, business model out of the data and, and really get into the hands of the most people. Is that kind of what the future we're looking at? Or? Well, that's, that's one of the endpoints of it, but we've already started this process. So, you know, when a group of developers came to me and said, you really need an API, um, and I told them, hey, you know what, I don't know anything about APIs. They said, fine, we will tell you everything you need to know. Mm. So really, I mean, these are individuals who should be in competition with each other, but they want to participate in creating the resource. So what we'd like to do is, you know, we want, we want community to be baked in to this process as opposed to bolted on. So at the end, everyone's involved from the beginning, everyone has a stake in it, and everyone becomes a consumer of what we're creating, um, including me. Our website will be a consumer of the same workflow. We'll be accessing the same data, and really the National Library of Medicine will have no more access to this data than any other group that's involved. We'll all be on a level playing field. And that's because once your workflow is, is completed, uh, you'll have the drug manufacturers actually piping the data straight to you? Is that the, how that would work? How, how do you have a level playing field with, uh, right. with other folks? The actually? We'll, yeah, the way that we'll accomplish that is that the process that we're creating to first restructure the 
uh, drug data so that it's uh, a bit easier to use. By exposing all of that data through an API and then by eventually exposing our search engine through an API, we'll be pulling the same data that anyone else in the community will be able to hit through our API. So there, you know, our, and then by publishing our search engine, we're just throwing our secret sauce right out there. We will actually have no advantage over anyone because we'll be publishing all of our code and we'll be giving equal access to the data with ourselves. So there's, there's no silo. There's no fence anymore. Everything is open. Wow. And, and what's the, the time frame for the project? It's, I mean, it sounds quite complex, and I, I'm wondering uh, 6,000 pills is a lot, and it sounds like you put together this beta pretty quickly. Is it a, a perpetual beta like a Google, or is it a <laughs> product that at some point is, is going to be finished except for the new inputs that are, that are well, coming in? I mean, I guess you're always going to have new inputs. Well, there are a number of reasons for that, uh, for it being in beta. First off, as soon as you hit the website, first thing you're going to see is that we only have about 18% of the images um, that we actually have records for. So we're in the process right now of shooting new images. So we've actually built a photography lab. And um, if you check my uh, tweet stream, at uh, lostonroute66, you'll see I am frequently posting pictures from the lab as we're getting everything operational. We're going to be imaging all of the pills. Uh, we're going to be getting them from a variety of sources, but also by publishing the standards and methodology for the imaging, if a large manufacturer wants to come behind us and say, hey, it's a great methodology and we appreciate you shooting these you know, at, at your cost, which really is at everybody's cost since it's a federally funded project, but hey, we'd like to bring this process in-house. We'll shoot our own pictures to this standard. We'll just submit them you know, directly ourselves and we'll just cut you out of the process. I'm actually looking forward to that day. I, you know, uh, photography is a hobby of mine, but I don't want to be in the business of shooting pills for the rest of my life. Really, the industry should take over this process, um, and that's what we're hoping to do by, you know, first jump-starting it and shooting as many uh, pills as we can, but by publishing our methodology, um, you know, in an open format. We really hope that the pharmaceutical industry will take over and say, okay, we see what you're doing, and thank you very much. We'll take it from here. It sounds like an awesome project. You mentioned just one more time the URL, and, and uh, I hope folks will check it out, pillbox.nlm.nih.gov. And uh, I, I guess if, if developers have uh, thoughts or ideas, are you, are you still taking, uh, taking comments on this beta? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, really, it's, it's such a multifaceted project. There's the, the data work we're doing, there's the imaging, there's, you know, user interface design and information architecture, and there's really this, um, you know, this API that, um, you know, that really we're building with the communities. You know, so we've got, uh, you know, folks groups like uh, Medgol, Polka, who are coming to us and freely offering information about you know, how they feel something should be structured. And then we take that information, we publish it. Everything is open. You know, the conversations we have, we publish everything so that everyone can participate in the process, even if it's in uh, a passive manner, so that when we have a full API and we launch the beta for the API, it works for everyone because they've already been part of the specification process. And then we continue to develop it. So, 
Again, you know, the API is going to have a beta after it. Pillbox will have the beta after it, at least until we get this workflow going. You know, once manufacturers are submitting those images directly to the FDA, we'll get them from the drug label the same as anyone else is able to get them. We will download the exact same file that anyone in the HIT community or anyone with a web connection can download. We want to be consumers of the process that we're helping to create. So let's talk a little bit. Of, we were discussing yesterday how, how you get so much great information from uh, the unconference community. And um, first, I want to maybe if you want to give out a way uh, you prefer folks contact you if they want to have inputs on on this project. But uh, also, perhaps we can discuss the value of unconferences. And uh, there's a discussion in the wider Gov2O community about uh, you know some of the more structured conferences and. You know, how do you get the most change, the most drive, the most ideas, the best connections out of uh, you know meeting other folks who are who are, who are working in the area uh, of your interest? Well, that's it's, it's a great topic. Um, I mean, just in the last few years, the uh, and, and first the contact info before or else oh, we'll yeah, get that okay. before we um, right. Well, first, obviously, I'm on Twitter at Lost on Route 66, but also more officially, um, anyone can hit me at. David.hale, H-A-L-E, at NIH.gov, so National Institutes of Health.gov. Um, and either one of those is an easy way to get a hold of me. Or also on the Pillbox website, there's a um, you know, contact information, uh, there's a comments, um, email URL. That actually goes right to me as well. Great. So either of those work. And then, uh, yeah, getting back to um, you know, the, the unconference movements, which really just seems to have just exploded in the last five or six years. Um, you know, these are conferences that are you know largely self-organized, where the participants create the agenda as they go along. Everyone gets together in the morning. Of course, the conference has a focus, but the uh, attendees set the agenda. They set the sessions. Um, and what it does is it, you know, it creates an environment where if you're not getting what you want out of that conference, it's not the organizer's fault. It's your fault. Um, and this is based uh, largely on what's called uh, open space technology, which has been around since the mid-'80s, which is a way of really sort of crowdsourcing um, and problem solving in you know, small, medium, or large organizations in a very agile manner. And then later the bar camp, mo bar camp movement started to draw heavily on that open space technology uh, paradigm to create these uh, you know, self-organized and, and self-agenda generating meetings. And now you see everything with the word camp on the end of it. So you see health camp where you know, Pillbox um, you know, has had a lot of development. You see democracy camp, citizen camp, engagement camp, and of, of course, Gov2O camp in DC, which was an absolutely incredible event earlier this year organized uh, by the folks at GovLoot. Um, and these, it, it's really this idea of the community creating the conversation that they need to really engage with each other and exchange information. And have, have you been attending these things pretty uh, religiously of late? Uh, it, it, it sounds like uh, this is one of the areas where you really mine uh, areas that you don't maybe understand as well, don't have the expertise in to bring it together for, for a project like Pillbox. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, matter of fact, I joke with people that I meet where I can recognize them, but I can't remember their name, and I just say, did we meet at something that ended in camp? <laughs> so, I love it. At, um, at Health Camp, I've received a ton of invaluable input in the development of Pillbox. Um, at Gov2O Camp earlier this year, I was able to meet other feds who are working in the same space, and we were able to you know, start to brainstorm ideas and make connections uh, with folks like Andrew Wilson at HHS, who is doing incredible work. And so he's also become sort of involved in Pillbox in terms of how we're positioning it and also information exchange, um, you know, folks like uh, Jeffrey Levy at EPA. So this is a way for us to, I mean, just literally, we're restructuring our entire development and even our, our, our interactions. I mean, we're developing projects at these conferences. We're developing the relationships, you know, to allocate resources from other departments, other organizations at these conferences. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a joke. Most of the uh, other feds I know in the social media space, we've all met through social media as opposed to um, traditional channels. But yeah, no, it's incredible. I've, I've met people who work down the street, uh, you know, who also work. I'm, my day job, uh, this is the unofficial uh, Adriel Hampton, but my day job is city of San Francisco, and I've met folks interested in Gov2O uh, through GovLoop, uh, you know, social media, uh, for Fed, state, and local, uh, you know, we worked down the street from each other, didn't know we were both there. Um, David, uh, great conversation. We've got just a few seconds left here. Um, I wanted to thank you for your hospitality and visiting D.C. I didn't know uh, about that cupcakes were so big over there. Um, you know, I, maybe that will be a separate conversation is uh, how D.C. is all about cupcakes and San Francisco is all about macaroons apparently. But there we go. You could make it out to the healthcare social media meetup yesterday as well. Yeah, that was great. And next week we'll be back with uh, Government 2.0 Radio on Sunday with Dustin Heisler, who is the CIO of Manor, Texas, and he's doing Manor Labs. Uh, also, I wanted to give a shout-out to gov20la.org. Check that out for a, a great conference on the West Coast in uh, February. And thank you all, and good night. Thanks a lot, David. Are we off? We are off air, but still recording. Oh. That's, that's how it oh, works. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. <laughs> you know. It's only semi-off the record then. Only semi-off the record. Only most people, record. most of the folks now listening to the show, the majority of the audience will, will be listening to this part because this is the... Uh, uh, the after live. Our, our live audience is small, and then people jump on. But I want to thank you also for bringing. It's completely confidential, then. That is completely confidential. Thank you for uh, for bringing some of uh, the uh, healthcare, social media, health two O folks into the conversation about uh, government two point It's great. It's, it was a great conversation yesterday. That that overlap of health two O and gov two O is. Just one of those missing areas, and if you look what's happening in you know just healthcare debate right now, that is the intersection. Um, but it seems like these groups aren't you know health two O and gov two O aren't really overlapping as much as they could. Absolutely, and hopefully the show will help. And with that, I'm going to get on a plane. And David, uh, until we meet again. Great, sounds good. Look forward to uh, seeing you again out west. Take care. Bye. You too.